Hello and welcome to LSHTM Viral, a new podcast from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Our knowledge on the novel coronavirus is evolving every day. We're here to bring you the latest evidence on spread, control and safety of the virus directly from our experts. Hello, I'm Naomi Stewart from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. We've seen a growth in coronavirus infections in the UK since the first cases were reported at the end of January, as well as people unfortunately now starting to die. Following the COBRA meeting held on Thursday, March 12th, Boris Johnson, alongside Chief Medical Officer Chris Whitty and Chief Scientific Advisor Patrick Valance, called for calm preparations in the UK for the future spread of the outbreak. As the UK moves from containment to delay phase, Boris called this the worst public health crisis for a generation. Cautionary measures announced on Thursday include the request for those who have a new, continuous cough or high temperature to stay home for at least seven days, those over 70 to not go on cruise ships, and international school trips abroad have been banned. Joining us in the studio is Professor Liam Smith, who is the Dean of the Faculty of Epidemiology and Public Health here at LSHTM, and who is also a GP. That's doctor, for those of you from my side of the pond. Liam continues to do clinical work in North London alongside his academic work. Thank you for joining us today, Liam. So you yourself have actually been tested for coronavirus, having recently been to Italy. What was that like? Uh, I have to say it was reasonably unpleasant. So I uh, I had a cold going to Italy, and I thought, well, I'll shake it off skiing in the mountains. And I got back with a minor cold, and it was getting better. And then about I've been back a few days, and I got worse very unexpectedly, and thought, well, I better take the, the right action here. And Phoned 111 and went into self-isolation. After about a day, went along and was tested and then had to sort of continue self-isolation for a couple of days waiting for the result. What did that self-isolation look like for you? What did you do during that time? Well, in one way, it sort of sounds quite attractive, the thought of being sort of you know, on your own and uh, no one bothering you. But in fact, it soon gets really boring. And you're basically waiting for a, a result or waiting for to get better. So it's actually quite dull. It's quite disruptive, uh, but it's important. And if people do have to self-isolate, how long is that period for? There are people who are asked to self-isolate for up to two weeks, yes. People who have had a lot of contact, particularly from key areas of the world, where we know there's a lot of uh, the virus around and people are being asked to self-isolate for two weeks. And it's a disruptive undertaking. It's certainly unpleasant, but it's really up to everyone, really, to kind of join in and try and limit the spread of this virus. What is it like being a practicing GP during such an outbreak? And what questions or concerns are you finding amongst your patients? Uh, oh, certainly while I, there was the possibility that I was personally at risk of uh, coronavirus, I mean, staying away from patients is clearly uh, crucial, number one. Uh, there's no doubt about it. So uh, certainly I'm not responsible for, for spreading it at all. In terms of uh, patients themselves, clearly a lot of people get colds and flu-like symptoms all the time. So there's a lot of phone calls understandable, understandable concern and worry, and concern not just for themselves, but a lot of concern about passing it on to other people, should they be going to work and things. So there's a lot of advice going on. Um, even people are not necessarily really physically sick. They they do need someone to turn to, and in the, in the UK and in the NHS, that tends to be their GPs, and that's fine. Uh, and that's what we're there for. But uh, there's no doubt it's going to be a busy period for everyone. Is there anything in particular about COVID-19 that you or your colleagues are concerned about? Obviously, people are concerned about mortality. We know the mortality rate is relatively low, but if we get a very big outbreak, that's still going to be a substantial number of people dying. But there's also going to be a substantial proportion of people who do get quite sick 
probably you know, too sick to stay at home, perhaps. And we only have a quite a limited capacity. We're going to have very limited hospital capacity, particularly around intensive care and people who need ventilation. There's worries about staffing levels and, of course, staff in hospitals and cells getting sick and having flu-like symptoms. So I think hospital capacity is, is, is a big worry. And it's one of the many reasons why it's important that we just try and reduce spread as much as possible and try and minimise the number of cases. And if hospitals here in the UK do reach full capacity, what happens next? Do we know what that scenario might look like? I think there's going to be very difficult choices, really difficult choices. Clearly, a lot of things in hospitals around surgery, elective surgery that's planned and pre-planned can be cancelled. Staff can be freed up that way. Beds can be freed up. But it is going to be, there's going to be some tough choices. And a lot of people who perhaps normally would be sick enough to be admitted to hospital, we will be managing at home best we can. And I think it could be quite difficult. Now that we're seeing more and more spreading of the infection outside China, including here in the UK, how worried are you about the impact of COVID-19 globally? I think we have to prepare for the worst. I'm a hope for the best. I don't say that we're going to definitely have a full-blown pandemic across Northern Europe and the UK, but I think we have to prepare for that possibility. There's a a strong possibility that a large portion of the UK population will get infected and will become ill, and we have to prepare for that. What is your advice at the individual level? What can each of us do to mitigate this outbreak? At the individual level, certainly if you develop symptoms and uh, you've travelled to any of the risk areas, you should be on the phone to 111 in the UK. It's a very good helpline. I think it's up to people to keep on top of the information. The National Health Service has a very good COVID-19 website that's updated every day or even more often. And I would simply recommend that people have a glance at that every day, see what the updates have been, see if there's anything else that they could and should be doing. But also think about their elderly relatives, neighbours and people they care for who perhaps don't have access to the internet and we know who are at increased risk. Keep them informed of what's going on. Keep them on the phone rather than going to see them because there's no doubt that social contact between people we are going to slowly have to minimise and reduce if we're going to prevent spread. What's really key to slowing the outbreak down then? I think really key is people, particularly with symptoms, self-isolating. I think and minimising social contact, and that's very much a personal responsibility. And it's, and it's not an easy one, having just done it for two days myself. It's pretty unpleasant, but it's a really key personal responsibility. I think we also need to be aware of other people and, for example, people with elderly relatives, people one are caring for or people one knows with chronic illnesses, making sure they've got enough of their regular medications, not stockpiling because that will cause chaos and disasters, but making sure that people are not running out of their regular medications be them insulin or treatments for bronchitis or whatever it is. So it's important no one stockpiles anything. That's when we start getting unnecessary crises and shortages. Incredibly, there seems to be a shortage of toilet paper in Australia because people have been bulk buying. But it shows the kind of thing that can happen. If, if supermarkets can run out of toilet paper because people are bulk buying, it show, and you know they could start running out of really important things that have a really big impact on society. So while it's important to get ready and be ready to do things like not come to work, to work at home, it, there's a possibility that schools may have to close, universities may have to close. So It's about getting ready and being prepared for these eventualities, but not panicking, not stockpiling. And just looking around, looking out for people around you as well. People are unwell and going into self-isolation, it can be a lonely time. Ring them up. Phones are safe. We know that. So what was your experience with the healthcare system? I mean, it was clear that people are working really, really hard and there's a lot of um, strain on the system already, on certain aspects of the system. There was a need to be a patient. Uh, with people uh, and with time and with waiting times and things like this. But 
uh, it was amazing that just how polite people were and uh, always ready to help. And people were clearly working very hard. And it, I mean, it's a real testament to the NHS, I think, that even at this time of great uncertainty where things are changing so quickly, they were ready, ready to help, keen to help, and really make the, what wasn't never going to be a pleasant experience really as good as it could be. Within the healthcare professional community, what's it like right now? Is there a sense of camaraderie as you battle the outbreak? Yes, for certain. I think the NHS in particular, in my experience of the NHS, one of the main features is uh, the staff are very good at working together as part of teams and supporting each other and really going the extra mile for each other. And that's very important. And at a time like this, where there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty and it's very unpredictable what's going to happen, it's really important that people are not working in isolation and are working as part of teams to help them deal with that uncertainty because that's one of the most difficult things. So I think the NHS is doing a great job as ever. Uh, I think things will be tough and I think there are going to be times where it would, will feel overwhelmed, um, but everyone's going to work really hard and do their best, I'm sure. And in terms of the bigger picture, how do you think the situation will play out here in the UK with the NHS compared to other countries around the world? So I think a major worry is if we're going to see big outbreaks in low resource settings, which which can work with well struggle and don't have the infrastructure that we're lucky enough to have in the UK here. It's the sort of thing that the school's been very good at in past epidemics around the world in helping both provide research evidence and advice on and support to, to such countries. Uh, so I think in the UK, we're very lucky to have such fantastic health service, but also very strong uh, public health system. And that's going to be key in, in any outbreak. Many countries around the world, particularly low resource countries, could well struggle really hard if they get a big outbreak. And it's an area, it's a sort of area where I think the school can play an important role in particular, the UK Public Health Rapid Support Team can play a role in supporting countries and supporting people in low-income settings respond to a pandemic. Thank you, Liam, for those common reassuring messages about how each of us can approach dealing with COVID-19 and what the world needs to do to act to stop the outbreak. Thank you. For all of you listening, please remember these steps from the World Health Organization to help prevent further spread. First, frequently wash your hands with soap for at least 20 seconds in warm water. Stop touching your mouth, eyes, and nose. When you cough, cough into the bend of your elbow or a tissue which you discard immediately. Avoid crowded places if possible. Stay at home if you feel unwell even with just a slight fever or cough. If you do have a fever, persistent cough, and difficulty breathing, seek medical care early, but do call your local healthcare system by telephone first. For those of you who tuned in to live stream Q&A or listen to it here on the podcast, we're going to be hosting another live Q&A next week with two more experts from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. You can submit your questions to us in advance or tune in on our YouTube channel to ask live during the show. We'll be releasing details shortly about the date and the time, but this is your opportunity to tune into our YouTube channel and ask your questions about coronavirus directly to our experts. Thank you all for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of LSHTM Viral.